Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONECURCITYCAST20. Thanks to the work-from-home boom, more than a quarter of Portland's downtown offices are empty. And housing advocates and urban designers are wondering why we're not just turning them into livable spaces. This concept goes beyond providing shelter for our houseless community. They're proposing a completely new way of thinking about living downtown. So what is all of this going to look like? Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking with Sergio Palleroni, a professor of architecture at Portland State University and co-founder of PSU's Homelessness Research and Action Collaborative. He's going to walk us through the cultural mind shift needed to make these plans possible, which could include sharing a bathroom with your neighbors. Hmm. It's Tuesday, April 25th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Well, Sergio, there's two types of living in offices that we're talking about, and I just want to address them both. There's the, hey, we have a houseless situation downtown. And also we have all these empty buildings. Let's figure that out. But then there's also, you know, urban planning is always like, well, wouldn't it be great if downtown was livable and we still have a housing crunch no matter what, even if you can afford to pay rent or whatever, there's still not many properties for you to rent or purchase. Uh, So let's convert these offices into livable um, spaces. Could you give an example where it's happened for a houseless population, where they've converted apartment buildings for people needing immediate housing? Has that happened anywhere? Uh, here in Portland, there's a building called the Henry Building, right downtown, considered one of the most successful conversions from office space into housing. It's right in a historic building. It got all sorts of attention a couple of decades ago when it was converted. They won national prizes. And the way that it was done, maybe you can't put or you don't want to put a kitchen in every unit across it because that means that those may get in the way when you decide to maybe convert into offices again, right? You know, so you mm-hmm. have a kitchen. But maybe rethinking the way we live in these apartments, maybe we live more like co-housing or cooperatively. And uh, in doing so, you might have several units that have lovely living rooms and bedrooms and you know all sorts of things. And they share the kitchen facility and you just build one or two kitchen facilities per floor where you mm-hmm. have communal kitchens. And that's happening more and more. All across the country, we're getting these amazing co-housing, people living together. Even cooperative housing is beginning to make a comeback. It's basically dorms. Like you have a communal kitchen, you might share a bathroom. Do you really think that America is ready to share a bathroom as adults? <laughs> as adults? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You or know, a kitchen. I, I mean, these are like very personal spaces where you're just like, I need this thing here. I need that thing here. Bathrooms. I hate my own bathroom. Terrible things happen in there. I don't want to have to deal with like 10 other people and imagining what they're doing in that bathroom. Like, I don't even want to walk into my bathroom and it's clean. But right, I don't know. Right. What do you think, Sergio? Do you I, think- I, I think I think that the I think that a lot of spaces, okay, not every downtown office space can be converted. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them could be converted to accommodate your privacy needs easily. And floors of office buildings becoming clusters of living with people living cooperatively where they might have a galley kitchen, small galley kitchen where they can do minimum cooking, but the large cooking would be done cooperatively in a Mm. centralized kind of thing. And that may sound crazy, but there's actually in Seattle, there's several buildings that were done recently that are doing exactly that there are people younger people coming in and wanting to live downtown and you know wanting to be close to their jobs and living in the walkable city are willing to share a kitchen and actually they're actually preferring to share a kitchen because it becomes part of their community but that's for younger people or people who are saving up money or do, you know i don't know if anyone's like long term but i understand that that might be useful i'm thinking this through right now for um maybe people who are older independent enough to live on your own but you don't have that much income that might be a good solution but what do you think is the likelihood of all this happening because i feel like it's such a reversal of like or the opposite of what americans think about you know myspace this is myspace right what do you think is a likelihood of it happening in portland Well, you know, the idea of MySpace, you know, of having everything in our home and not being dependent or sharing things with other people like sharing public space and things like that, our homes have become our kingdoms in the United States. They've gone, mm-hmm. every, a lot of people tell you they, after World War II, all the way to the end of the 50s, the average American home was 900 square feet. It held four people in it. Mm-hmm. Now we're at 2,400, 2,500 square feet. It holds two and a half people. Yeah. So we yeah. want the house to do everything. But if we went back a generation to your grandparents' life, we, were, we lived much more cooperatively when we spent time, if we wanted to do work or something like that, we might go to a cafe, we, we would go meet people somewhere else, we had public spaces, we made much more use of our city and we mm-hmm. shared more things. So I, th- I think that, that idea is becoming very attractive. That's behind co-housing, right? That we don't mm-hmm. need everything, that we can share things in a community. They're building co-housing communities in Portland where people are sharing more and more in the thing. So I think the impulse is not just because you need to financially, because people are feeling isolated by Mm. the city. But the other part of it is that, interestingly enough, is that, you know, this city has all this incredible infrastructure downtown. Mm -hmm. If you go downtown, every other block has a light rail line going through it. Every, you know, we have this transportation density that few cities in the world have. We have distribution of assets, libraries, and bookstores and cafes, entertainment places, places of education. We're PSU, we're, I'm right downtown. And I think downtown could be an experiment in rethinking our cities that way. And I think we have this housing, this office stock, we have all the assets, so it's like, everything's there. Can we make it possible for people to start pioneering it? Mm-hmm. And not just the houseless. We don't want downtown to just become a houseless encampment. Right. We want those people who are moving up and hopefully we're moving back into stability that we could be living with other people of other economic and life paths. 
All right, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, will these new conversions actually be safe to live in? I wanted to ask you something specific about other things apartments or these conversions would or wouldn't have. Like I heard that they might not have to hit the standards. The city of Portland has already set for seismic retrofitting. So like new builds or remodels don't have to hit that. What do you think about that, Sergio? I think that, yeah, the city, I think that the city is, if it's going to, I mean, there's two types of legislation. It's, it's sometimes city councils will say, yeah, we'll vote seven, you know, everybody will vote for something because it's just an expression of support. But in this case, I think it's, it's needed. The city needs this, right? The city needs to rethink. It needs to make this possible. So I think they're willing. They re we realize we're in a housing crisis. We have this beautiful city. I mean, the surrounding, the place we are, the production, the food, everything mm -hmm. about it. There's so much here, but we're in a housing crisis. And there seems to be no clarity about how to move forward. So the city is beginning to make changes to make this possible, just like it is. You know, I don't know if you know, but single family lots all over the city are now under a radical new set of state statutes, which allow you to take a single family home and add up to four dwellings on it, and then even partition and sell each one off. Oh, wow. Gonna, so the city that we're going to see here 30 years from now is going to look very different. It's going to still be Portland, but it's going to be a Portland with more housing options. Right now, we have a set, very set number of housing options, and we really need to start thinking of a bigger continuum. Yeah, I could definitely see this solution working, especially like we just mentioned, uh, younger people coming up into their own economic power and also older people. Because, I mean, that's the whole thing that you hear about older the older community is that they feel very uh, isolated. So, like, that would fix that. Yeah. You know, Europe has had a higher density of living. So we have gotten away because we have so much land in the United States. We're one of the mm -hmm. countries with lots of land. But in Europe, where people have been in a, in a tighter quarters, there's been this kind of approach to building as thinking of them as what we call in architecture multivalent, that they can be many things over time. Mm -hmm. If you go to downtown Rome, you'll see buildings that were actually built during the Roman Empire and have had 25 functions wow. over time. And every time, probably the builder was thinking, how am I going to help? I'm going to convert a church into a market. But they did. Yeah, I, have, I know someone who has created a pharmacy in one of like the older ruins and stuff. And she's really upset oh, yeah. because she wants to put a drive-through window and like Italy still has laws. <laughs> they're like, listen, we still, you can't just cut through this, even though they're like, yeah, yeah. And this ruin is now a pharmacy, but you just, we can't just have cars. We're not animals. And I just <laughs> love that little, like, no, no, we still respect this building. Um, but That's let's say we don't convert all these offices into apartments, even though it seems like we have a roadmap to do so and the willingness of the city. What else can we do with them? Because it's true. There's, I mean, so many people are now working from home. We have all these empty buildings. Like, what are we going to do with all these offices? Let's just have a thought experiment about downtown. And we have this downtown. We have all these buildings. We know we have a quarter, 30% of the office space is empty. And you're thinking, my God, but I have all this stuff that's really expensive, like rail lines, and you know, there's there's all this diversity, like I said before, of libraries and all these are things that take cities decades to build. You can support anything. Those buildings can become 
vertical mixed use. It could be, there's this whole theory in architecture about vertical cities. Mm -hmm. Why does it have to be one use vertically? The first five floors could be public. The next floor could be maybe a public institution. There'd be a common room for all the dwellers up there to have shared facilities and then up above dwelling. Hong Kong is like that. I mean, if you go to Hong Kong, there's not enough street space for all the commercial and street needs people have. So the first four floors are basically sidewalks, you know, mm-hmm. going up four stories. And then you might have an auditorium and then you might have something else. So the cities begin to spread out vertically. We could do the same, not because we don't lack land, but because we have built all this infrastructure, we don't want to get out to waste. We have all this light rail with transportation, health facilities, everything else. Mm-hmm. It's we can't afford to waste them right now. Well, that's a perfect end note. Thank you so much, Sergio, for your time. Oh, uh, thank you. I really, I like, I'm just kind of learning about urban infrastructure and planning, and it's so fascinating. It's about like a different way of living. That's really exciting. I love the fact that I can see behind you a Vespa. So I feel like you oh. could be in Rome <laughs> in a really multivalent city. So I feel like we're getting there. And now for your microdose of news. Mark your calendar. There's an election coming up on May 16th that will decide who's on the Portland school board. But no matter who wins, the majority of the board's seven members will be people of color for the first time in Portland history. And that's because Eddie Wang, a small business owner of Asian descent, is running unopposed for an open seat. According to the Oregon Department of Education, 44% of the district's students are people of color. And a new bill in the state legislature wants to decriminalize camping in public spaces across Oregon. It's called the Right to Rest Act and says unhoused people have a reasonable expectation of privacy in any property belonging to the person, regardless of whether that property is located in a public space, like, say, parks. The bill would make unhoused people eligible for up to $1,000 in damages if that right to privacy is violated. What do you think about this proposed bill? Send your thoughts over to Portland at citycast.fm and I'll read them out loud during our newscast. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. If you enjoyed the show, you know, share it with a friend, leave us a review. It's gonna help us out. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.